0: Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. Let me just before you're seated, let me just read tonight's verse to you. We're, of course, you know, we're in a series Uh, as we're in this pre-launch season. The symbol behind me is just uh, really indicative of um, our, our preparing to launch. And in the process, the wrench logo uh, that will appear here in just a second at the beginning of my message notes um, is to remind you that we're in pre-launch mode. Right now, we're getting permits. Uh, we're about a week and a half away from what I hear, maybe two weeks away. That can get dragged out a little bit longer, but you know, we'll work through it. Thank God we've got a place to meet. In the process, we're uh, building our teams. We're engaging in what we're doing, uh, training. So many new people moving around, doing different things over the last few weeks inviting all of you to be a part of that launch. There's something you could do for the kingdom. We'd love to have you do that. Um, We've invited you to join the team. So many of the activities that we planned are so that you can get to know the people who are on the team. And our preaching has been especially to help dial in to the who we are as we get ready to launch in Orchards so that you as part of the team can march in cadence with that same value system that our church has. And so we've been in this series entitled Intentionally Us. And that, this series has been covering those top 10 values that we have as a church family. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, they're going to give me that screen on the slide. And you can read along with me. For the Word of God is living, and it is active, and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. I don't care if yours came from Cutco. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody you've known, somebody who's got a summer job with Cutco, Did you buy the $125 pair of scissors that could cut through a nail? I did. But sharper than even a knife from Cutco, the Word of God is living and it's active. And it will do the job that's needed in every situation. And so tonight, I wanna wanna share with you our value that the Word of God is our supernatural sword, the title of my message. So let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your people, God, thank you so much for, um, God, the goodness that you have for each one of their lives. We pray, God, that you will uh, just allow us to ingest some of this concept of your word being an active, not a passive piece of information, but it's an active, aggressive agent to establish your will in our lives, through our lives in this world that we live in. And so, Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen and amen. You could be seated. High five the person next to you. And uh, um, why don't you give me uh, the next slide, guys, with the, uh, the two verses there on the... Uh, they'll, they'll get it in a second. Um, you know, I was reading a little bit about Excalibur and um, uh, King Arthur, and some of you probably are a little bit of history buffs and a little bit of uh, mythology buffs, and I found it strange when I looked it up to discover any of the special powers of the sword Excalibur. You know, the sword that um, King Arthur pulled, was able to pull out of the rock, the sword had no powers at all. In fact, the one unique thing about Excalibur was that it can only be lifted by the person worthy pulled out of the rock. And so apparently King Arthur was actually the one with virtue. Um, the word of God is completely the opposite. There's so much value, so much power in the Word of God, and we'll lean into that tonight. I've got with me my uh, Bible college Bible. And believe it or not, this is a King James version of the Bible, because back then when the new NIV had just come out, now we got thousands of different versions of the Bible. But if you hear me quote a Bible verse from memory, almost always you'll hear it in that King James language. It's stuck in those first 10 years of me being a Christian reading the Bible so often, this was what I was reading. And in Bible college, we had to have a full Bible with us. We couldn't have just a New Testament, had to be in every single class. And of course we had a notebook and we had books back then, it was before computers. And to be able to have another book on the desk was just about impossible. And I found a full Old and New Testament copy, King James language of the entire Bible in this little tiny book. And even with glasses i can barely read it now let alone the contacts that i'm wearing tonight but this contained in this the cover of this this leather little tiny book that i've had all these years is the word of god which is supernatural and it is our sword um when you look at this verse in ephesians it also paints scripture with that same symbolism of being a sword and in Ephesians chapter 6, we are given all of the outfit, the warrior's wear, the garb of every soldier of God that we get to wear. And the Bible mentions there in Ephesians chapter 6, a belt of truth, a, a breastplate of righteousness, shoes shod, the readiness of the gospel of peace, holding out our shield of faith, wearing a helmet of salvation. And every single one of those pieces of the outfit mentioned in Ephesians chapter six are solely defensive. And yet we read there in verse number 17, it says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, that symbolism that reappears. And it's the only offensive weapon that's mentioned for the Christian. But we read there that picture of the sword of the spirit. Now, if you're like me, I used to picture this giant Excalibur Length sword, something like Goliath's sword, six feet long, weighing 80 pounds, and just this huge, massive thing that when you swing it through the air, it just is cutting stuff off, no matter which way you swing it. But the truth is, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, and Hebrews, when it mentions the sword of the sword of the Spirit or the sword of the Word of God, it actually uses the word Machaira, which is a short dagger. And I think it's a better picture of really how one is to really handle the Word of God. The Word of God is not some great big flaming sword to be whipped through the air just as as you would just be moved emotionally, but rather the Word of God is something that you keep close to you, keep by your side, that you pull out, and must know how to use with great precision as you're facing an enemy. You might think you could just move a sword all around and just lop off ears and do whatever you want to. But if you've got a small dagger to fight with, you had better get close and know how to use it against your enemy in order to be successful. And that is the truth with the Word of God. This is not going to be something you just pull it out and start swinging it because you'll find that the damage that you'll do do is probably to yourself. But if you'll handle it like the dagger that it is, You'll be able to move up close to the situation, apply it precisely to accomplish little damage but high effectiveness because that's the heart of God with his word. Uh, You know, so many people see the Bible as just a book containing information. And how many of you know information is passive? Every guy who's ever put together IKEA furniture and didn't use the instructions, they're there but they're passive because in your mind you know more than the IKEA manual. Um, But the Bible is not just information, it's a powerful weapon when handled properly. So I wanna give you a couple of points tonight and I wanna be able to share with you a couple of very valuable truths because my heart for you is that it's part of our church function, part of our church philosophy. We read the Bible daily, I hope that's you. Uh, Our church is always encouraging uh, Bible apps that allow you to read and record and share back and forth. We started one at the beginning of the year And I invited a ton of people to read the Bible along with me again this year. In the process, I'll read probably four or five chapters a day. I'll leave a little comment on there. Some of you do the same thing. Some of you probably have a different reading plan, but my prayer is that you are reading the Word of God daily. It's so important, not just for the information, but hear me for a minute, for the impartation to your lives. There's a thing that God wants to say. Oh, I wish God would speak to me. He wants to. Turn the radio on. This is how God speaks so often. And so by reading the Bible, you'll not only inform yourself of truths, but then there is the right here, right now, what is God saying to my life? So so read it, okay? Um, The first thing I want to communicate to you is that the Bible is a supernatural document. I know it's a book, and I know you've got lots of books, but none of the books that you own are supernatural. This book is absolutely supernatural, in every way. It doesn't even have a second place amongst other books. Let me list off a few ways, they're also on the screen behind me, but do you realize that this is a supernatural collection? 66 books written over 1,500 years, over 40 authors inspired by God from every walk of life. Some authors were kings, others were military leaders, some were peasants and philosophers, fishermen and tax collectors, poets, musicians, statesmen, and shepherd it was written in different historical contexts including times of war in times of sacrifice peace prosperity and from palaces and prison cells deserted islands and pasture lands we receive this book it was written on three different continents asia africa and europe it was written in three different languages uh, hebrew aramaic and greek The Bible includes a wide variety of literary literary styles, including poetry, historical narrative, memoirs, satire. um, Sarcasm is in the Bible. Biography, and you know, I like the sarcasm part. Biography, autobiography. There's law, there's prophecy, parable, and allegory. It addresses hundreds of controversial subjects you don't even want to bring up on Facebook right now. Hundreds of them. I mean, the, the book starts off with, in the beginning, God, that's controversial in the day and age that we're living in. And yet God and his authors are not afraid to address controversy head on. He deals with controversial topics like marriage, divorce, remarriage, homosexuality, adultery, obedience to authority, character development, parenting. Yet despite all of these, the writers address the issues with an amazing degree of harmony. We can't get two people in a room to agree on whether it's a blue wall or a green wall, and yet God has done this miraculous uh, collection that he's brought together. It's also, as I said, miraculous in its continuity. You know, there's an article in the North American Review where a writer made some interesting comparisons between the writings of Shakespeare and the scriptures that we have in our hand. And in the process, he begins to say, it seems strange that the text of Shakespeare, which has been in existence for less than 208 years, should be far more uncertain and corrupt than that of the New Testament, now over 1800 centuries old. During nearly 15 of which it only existed in manuscript form with perhaps a dozen or 20 exceptions, The text of every verse in the New Testament may be said to be so far settled by general consent of scholars that any dispute as to its reading must relate rather to the interpretation of the words than to what the words mean in reality themselves. But in every, check this out, in every one of Shakespeare's 37 plays, there are over 100 readings still in dispute, a large portion of which changes the meaning and the outcome of the play. That's Shakespeare. And yet God has miraculously put this together in a unified way where it's in agreement on so many of these crazy topics. There's also, it's miraculous in its accounts. Just read the accounts that happen in here. You've got people walking on water and dead people rising up and people who had nothing God was able to provide out of a few loaves of bread and some fish for an entire crowd. It's filled with miraculous content. How about the fulfilled prophecies that are in the Bible? Just as you look at the life of Christ alone, there are 351 Old Testament prophecies about Jesus who would not be born for in some cases, a thousand years. And of these 351 uh, uh, prophecies, some are crystal clear what they're talking about to the fact that his garments would uh, would be raffled off as he was being crucified, or some a little bit more shady in their presentation. But of those uh, prophecies that we see fulfilled, you could boil it down to, if only 48 of them were fulfilled, that are solid as we read them in scripture, that would be the probability of one chance in about 13 trillion. It is mathematically impossible that one person could fulfill just five prophetic utterances out of Scripture, and Jesus fulfilled 350 plus, but in fulfilling just 48, it is impossible. One out of 13 trillion chances. The mathematic point to the, these mathematics point to the fact that someone had to guide history because this is supernatural in its origin. There's this, a probability story that I've heard, I don't know how accurate it is, but if you were to take uh, one of our largest states, the state of Texas, and you were to fill it two feet deep with silver dollar bills, and I was to blindfold you and take you to the state, mark one of those, some of you are like, what's a silver dollar bill? Okay, Bitcoin, okay, you know. If I were to take coins and put them out on the state of Texas two feet deep and mark one of them somewhere in the state with one side being red, and I were to blindfold Trish, Now, Trish would be able to do this, but I were to send her to the state of Texas and blindfolded, she found the right zip code. She found the right street. She bent over and reached in and pulled out that one coin that was painted red on one side. That is the probability of Jesus fulfilling just 30 of the prophecies that were about him. It's miraculous in its fulfilled prophecy. It's also miraculous in its provision. You realize that no one had scripture. And yet, of all the wars that you read about and the, the um, subjugation of the nation of Israel and the burnings of the temple that preserved from the original manuscripts, we have the Word of God. It has stood the test of time. Compared with other ancient writings, the Bible has more manuscript evidence to support it than any 10 pieces of classical literature combined. Um, there was a uh, pretty noted uh, French infidel named Voltaire who died in 1778 and he declared that in 100 years from his time Christianity would be swept from existence and passed on into history and fascinating to me that only 50 years after his death the Geneva Bible Society used Voltaire's very own printing press and his house to produce stacks and stacks of Bibles Every time someone goes to war with this book, they end up losing in miraculous fashion. Uh, Clarence McAfee writes the great English classic and says, if every Bible in any considerable city were destroyed, the book could easily be restored in all of its essential parts from the quotations on the shelves remaining of other books that are in that public library. There are works covering almost every great literary writer's devoted especially to showing how much the Bible has influenced them no other book like this Supernatural in its preservation also supernatural in its translation the Bible like no other book according to we- uh, Wycliffe Bible translators in October 2017 3312 languages had access to at least one book of the Bible That's incredible. There's there's no second place not the book of anything else. The Bible alone holds that category, the number one selling book of all times, the most controversial book of all times. Do You know that, um, well, the I could give you a whole, whole bunch of other stuff on, on just the translation alone, but it is pretty remarkable. Um, how about its distribution? The remarkable supernatural distribution. As of 2020, if every Bible New Testament and Scripture portion that was distributed over the last five years as of 2020, so 2015 to 2020, the numbers come to a staggering total of 1.8 billion items distributed of the Bible, enough for almost a quarter of the world's population. This is a miraculous book that I'm holding in my hand. It doesn't, hear me for a second, it doesn't just contain the Word of God, it is the Word of God. That's critical because the moment it only contains the Word of God, it means some is and some isn't and then we're all in trouble. It either is the Word of God holy or it's not. You, you track it with me? I just want to war I want to tell you. I don't there will be some things that in time I will say are wrong. The Bible is always right. The Bi, can I say it again? The Bible is always right. Can I say it again? The Bible is always right. Okay, second point: um, God's word does include more than just the Bible. Now, before you rush the stage that I'm a heretic, I'll explain what I mean. Here in the Word of God, which at one point did not exist, and the accounts that we're reading of in the Bible, this book that I hold in my hand is primarily the the Greek word would be logos. It's the idea of the spoken or written account of God, his commands, his rules. It is the historical narrative. It is the word of God. When I read the Bible, I am reading the written word of God, the logos. But there's also something we understand as being the rhema word of God. The rhema word of God is the right here and now word that God is bringing to me to give revelation and instruction for where I stand at this moment. And what's really fascinating, is you look at Matthew chapter 14, you can see both in action. When you read this, you are reading the Logos. You're reading the Bible. You're reading a historical account. For Peter, it was Ramah. After all, he's standing on the edge of the boat and he looks out and he says, is is that you, Jesus? Because Jesus is walking on the water. And Jesus says, it is I. He says, if it's you, bid me come. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says come and when Peter steps over the edge of that boat and onto the water it becomes as asphalt and he begins to walk towards Jesus. Jesus did not say come to everyone and I have stepped out of the boat a few times thinking I wonder if it'll work for me. The Lagos is a beautiful thing but it can be history and information and instruction and incredibly valuable. But I want to warn you, not every promise in the Bible belongs to you. It doesn't. I've heard the song a million times. You've sung it in Sunday school as a kid. Every promise in the book, it is mine. I don't even know how the tune goes. No, it's not. There are some promises you don't want to be yours, right? Uh, some of these promise. You don't, want, you don't want to be saved through childbearing men. Okay, I promise you. Thank God that you're a man, you know, when, when it comes to that promise. And some of God's word, his promises actually have contingencies. Guess what? The book of Philippians says, and um, and God will meet all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. While that is a biblical truth, it is also written to the people at Philippi. And he says that after he acknowledges their generosity in giving a big offering to other churches. And so while God will meet your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, you can also read other scripture if you're not generous according to your generosity, it will be given unto you. So not every promise belongs to you. There are some contingencies. You know, it's beautiful to see that logos and rhema happen at the same time. And so a couple of things I would say is that uh, the logos is like the bone structure. The written word of God is the bone structure but the rhema is the life that's within the skeleton. And so both complement one another, it's so important. You see, because one without the other robs the word of its effectiveness. You have to have both. Logos, the written word without the inspired word is powerless and just information. It's one of the reasons why I don't just teach the Bible in a gathering like this. You can read the Bible every day, read it, get the history, get the the theology, it's critical, it's important. I do sprinkle that in on our weekend gathering. But in teaching line by line, verse by verse, as wonderful as that is, if at some point I don't also fulfill the other side of scripture that says, let every man speak, speak as the very oracle of God. In other words, when I step up onto the platform or any of our speakers step up onto the platform, just to run up here and show you a bunch of Bible verses is not what God is expecting. That's to sell it short. God actually has something he wants to say to every single one of you in the room. And so part of the preparation is, oh God, what do you have for your people? Because to speak as an oracle for God is is to come up and step behind the desk and to speak on behalf of God. I don't believe that if God were to walk in the room, he's necessarily going to go line by line, verse by verse. I believe that he's always going to be scriptural. I'll get to that in a second. But God's got a fresh thing to say to each of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And every single one of them is different. Every church is different. And yet when we come together as a group of people, I believe that God's got a fresh word from you. And it needs to be biblical. There needs to be biblical truth in it. But it also needs the inspiration of the right here, right now word of God for your life. So I'd say read the Bible for knowledge and instruction. But while you're reading the Bible, say, Lord, what do you want to say to me through this? One of the best prayers you can pray before you read the word. Because if all you do is gather historical facts, believe it or not, there's a lot of people teaching biblical history who do not know God. I've been in Bible college. I can assure you of that truth. Listen for the rhema word. And hearing what God says is sacred. Let me lean forward in a grandfatherly voice and give you some some real um, encouragement here. Don't you be, don't, don't be flippant with throwing the God spoke to me thing out there. Don't do it. Don't put words in God's mouth. Don't use the phrase, I feel like God is saying X, Y, Z, unless he is really saying X, Y, Z. Because it tends to be amongst Christians the trump card we throw out to excuse the thing we're about to do. Listen, I dated a girl one time in Bible college before I met the most amazing woman on the planet. And I kind of alluded to, you know, I've been praying about it. I feel like this would be a good thing. And I used the same excuse when I broke up with her. I was that guy. I've, I won't even get into the details of the craziness that I've, um, I've heard people just throw it out there. Well, I've been praying about it and I just feel like this is what I should do. That's the God card. You know what? It's okay just to own your own decisions. I want to encourage you to not have to hide behind, I feel like this is what God wants me to do. Because if it's not what God wants you to do and later on, plays out to not be what God wanted you to do, you put God in a very poor light. I Just own your decision. Hey, I've made a decision to quit this job. I, I, God has spoken, I mean, audibly to me so few times. And I don't need to put it out there that I feel like God is telling me this. You know why we put that out there? Because we're afraid people won't believe we're doing the right thing. So we say, God, this is what God wants me to do. That's Don't, listen, let's not be a people that do that. And yet, on the flip side is, when we have a strong sense that God is telling us to do something, let's communicate that. Let's be bold about that. If it's in God's word, you can declare it. God's word says, and you lay it out there, and don't back up, oh, I just feel like that maybe God would want to do this. It is in the Bible. Don't ever approach a truth like that. You're stripping it of its power. You lean forward and say, God's word says, and you lay it out there, And that truth bomb adds faith into the room right then and there. Don't apologize. Don't offer it weak. Um, Understand that um, Rhema word also has some contingencies, so fulfill them. Oh, God's going to do great things in my life. I got a prophecy when I was down at the women's conference. He said, oh, you're going to speak to the nations. Well, if you listen to God when he speaks, he usually says something like this. I'm going to use you to do great things if you will surrender and give me your all we get so excited God's going to do great things that we forget to surrender all and we stand around wondering why that wasn't fulfilled and you know so then you know what we need we need a new word from God don't be out there I mean this is kind of a little catch 22 I want you to hear strive to hear what God is saying but the truth is what did you do with the last thing that he spoke to you have you done something with that does he really need to give you something new, fresh to do? How about the prophecy you got last year or two years ago when, when we had a guest speaker in and he prophesied over your life? Are you living up to that one? Oh, what a fresh word. It's, it'll be fresh when you fulfill it, and then you can move on to the next one, okay? All right. Uh, I think I should probably skip to the next point. Okay, next point. Um, does that, uh, let me go back for just a second. Does, does that make sense now that the, the God's word includes more than just the Bible? It is also what he is freshly saying. It will never contradict the Bible. Well, I just feel like God told me it's time to to say goodbye to my wife and get a new one. You're listening to small God, small G God, God of this world, because God doesn't contradict himself. Uh, I had somebody tell me one time, yeah, the Lord told me to stop giving this year. I just about came out of my body. That is so contrary to scripture. I just feel like God told me I don't have to forgive you. What? God's spoken word never contradicts his written word. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. Amen? Uh, Next point, okay? Is this okay? You guys doing all right? Um, The word of God is unlimited in power. It is crazy. When you start looking at the powerful things that we know of in the world... You know, the most powerful thing that we've really created as, a, as mankind would probably be a uranium bomb and our plutonium bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. When you read down through that, it, uh, Hiroshima had an explosive yield equal to 15,000 tons of TNT. And later on, it, it, it leveled 70% of the city where it was dropped. And later on, when they dropped uh, the bomb on Nagasaki, it... Um, it was a slightly larger uh, bomb, and it leveled 6.7 square kilometers, leveled it to the ground. The temperature on, at ground level was reco- uh, understood to be at about 4,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It was so hot. It melted everything. But that, in comparison to a few of the volcanoes that have gone off, is a drop in the bucket. In the late 1800s, on the Indonesian island of Krakatoa, there was a blast that was 10,000 times greater than Hiroshima. Over 36,000 people died because six cubic miles of debris got shot 50 miles into the air and it changed global weather patterns for a couple of years to follow. It created tsunamis and the largest recorded wave was over 150 feet tall. The power to be able to do that And yet, God, with a single word, said, Let there be, and all of the expanse was waiting for what was next. Light. And the the marvelous injection of the power of His Word into that atmosphere created the heavens and the earth. God did not come down with a pallet and get clay and make this earth, God spoke. His words created the science that brought everything together. God spoke, and as you read through the accounts of Genesis 1, 2, and 3, God spoke. Now, he did come down with his palate and form man, but he spoke to create the universe. He spoke to create the heavens and the earth, the light, the water, the expanses. As you go, uh, Rowena read this tonight. Not only did he create the universe with his word, But the thing that's holding it together still is not the government, and is not some good political plan and not some good societal plan. Do you understand that the world is held together still because God still injects his word into the world where we're at? God holds all things together by his word. His word is perfect, his word is true. It stands forever. It's always on target. He has no misfires. His word goes out and it heals. His word heals our disease. When you read the New Testament, they did this. They didn't pray and even ask God to heal. They leaned out and they declared, God is a healing God. Be healed. Their spoken word, like a police officer pointing at you and telling you just that causes you to pull your car over to the side. The spoken word of God arrests disease in its tracks and sends it over to the curb. It's how powerful his word is. It revives, it saves, it sanctifies, it cleanses, it delivers, it brings freedom, it keeps us from sin, gives life, it regenerates, it reveals motives, it removes unbelief, it activates our faith, it illuminates our pathway, it gives you access to the inheritance that Christ died for. There are things that God has for you that if you don't engage with the word, it's like not reading the will. It's not like executing the, 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 the very gifts that have been provided in his death and resurrection, but knowing the word of God gives you access to your inheritance, leads to prosperity and success. Our church has a deep history of experiencing the miraculous not because we're better than anybody else but because we believe the word we use the word as the sword that it is i can remember pat a few years back had been to the doctor been diagnosed with cancer was going in to have surgery was going in for i think a last consultation and in the process she said pastor i oh and i said listen We're gonna get some people together and pray. And it wasn't like, listen, we're gonna pray and see how it works. That was not the conversation. It was a forward leaning and said, "The, the word of God says that the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Do you believe that? Absolutely, she believes that. I know one thing, I believe that. We gathered some people around her and we prayed over her. We didn't have to ask God, according to your will, Lord, if it's your will to heal her, because we already see that in scripture. And so we spoke to the disease. That's what the New Testament disciples did. They spoke to the disease. They said, be healed, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have, I give to you, be healed. And we prayed over Pat and she went back to the doctor and lo and behold, something happened. We don't get what's going on. Maybe our machines were wrong and there was no disease. That's a five-year-old story. What I thank God for is that in our church we don't have to like talk about something that God listen the things that God did in the Bible he still wants to do don't let anybody get you on this cessationist stuff where well God Jesus only healed people to prove he was God that is not true he healed people for a couple of other reasons you want to know one they were sick that's why he healed them you want to know the second reason why he healed them not to prove to you anything about who he was to show you how you can live. He was demonstrating what the kingdom of earth, the kingdom of heaven on earth looks like. And he was showing you that you can pray, you can say to this mountain, be moved to the sea. And if you do that scripturally, it will take place. I'll never forget when I got a phone call from one of our uh, previous pastors on our staff, um, called us up on a Friday and said, listen, I was in at the doctor uh, just yesterday and they've called me back and they want me in immediately and to be prepared for surgery. And again, it was another situation. She was, they found a a lump in her breast and she was packing her stuff. And so we gathered a bunch of people said, before you go, before that takes place, we're gonna gather some people. And I made a few phone calls and some of you were there. We got in her living room and we prayed. We spent about a half an hour. We didn't just throw one prayer up. Okay, Lord, we pray, I hope that works out. No, we, we prayed over her. We gave God thanks. We quoted scripture. We quoted scripture. We prayed scripture. We spoke to the disease that was in her body. We commanded that the storm cease. We spoke out the promises of God over her life. What the word of God says, he sent his word and he healed their disease. We pointed to the speeder and said, move over. You are out of alignment with heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And we spoke to this earth and said, get into alignment and she packed her stuff up and went to the doctor and they did the final test. And guess what? The same weird equipment that Pat had, they apparently had sold it to this other hospital because now something's wrong. We spent so many times, I could just go around the room for so many of you that I I know the miraculous things that God has done for us. Remember at the beginning of COVID, we had a, a guy in our church who is one of these guys who uh, no, 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 you don't need to come to my house to pray for me, I just, you pray from over there. Listen, my Bible tells me to lay my hands on the sick. This is an agreement I had with the church at the beginning. I'm sorry, not, you know, military guys, they don't go to war during peacetime, they go, they're, they face bullets. And so if someone's sick in our church, we're gonna go, we're gonna believe God for their healing and our protection. Jesus put his hands on lepers. I don't recommend just running around touching disease to show off. But if it's for the prayer of faith to heal the sick, we lay hands on the sick. And this guy was like, "Oh no, just pray for me for there. I don't, want you, I don't want you to catch what I have. Listen, if my prayer is powerful enough to see you healed, it's going to protect me. I'm pretty confident of that. And if it's not, it's worth getting sick over, in my opinion. And so I remember going into his living room and laying my hands on it. He could barely breathe. He was white as death. Placing my hands on his chest. And it was that, just that simple, quick prayer. Be healed in Jesus' name. And it it was not a prayer that was answered because it was prayed by a pastor. It was not a prayer that was answered because everything aligned that day or I've earned some credit with God. It's a prayer that was answered because it was scriptural, declared, the word is a sword. I pulled out my Makaira. I got real close and I stuck it into disease. And I said, be healed. And I told him, I said, the rest of the day, you're gonna experience complete, you're gonna gradual improvement. Tomorrow, you're gonna be like a new person. Of course, the next day I got a text. Oh my gosh, I'm worn out, but not one difficulty, not one struggle with breathing. That's effective prayer. That's based on the word of God. And so that's the type of church we're in. And I'm gonna stop right there. I'm gonna have you stand and I've got probably, I got more to cover. Uh, Maybe I'll finish it up next week or the week after. Maybe I won't. Please, stop playing games. Get into the Word. Stop playing games. And uh, listen, if you're not a good reader, they have the Bible that it reads to you. They've got it in theatrical versions. Listen to it on the way to work. Learn the Word of God. Read it systematically. But while you're reading it, say, Oh, God, speak to me. While you're walking throughout the day, God, speak to me. Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's job is to lead you into all truth. Man, Lord, I don't know how to make my marriage better. Lead you into all truth. The whole God can reveal how you can change your behavior to make your marriage better. That's called rhema work. God's got solutions for your business. He's got solutions for your employment. He's got solutions for your life. It's His word. It's supernatural. Amen. I want you. How many of you? You you like? Listen. I need to lean forward into the word. I need. I've been lax with this. I need to lean forward. I need to speak God's word out. I need to declare it. Anybody here? You're, right? Okay. I want you with your hands. I want you to put them over your heart. Okay. The worship team's going to lead us the song and uh, final song in just a second. And I think uh, somebody's coming to close our gathering. It's been a great time together. Uh, awesome prayer time, Jenny, and uh, along with Phil and uh, Tyler. Super, super. Um, thank you guys, our worship team. Great, Bethany, great job tonight singing that song. It was awesome. You see that leader in her come out to the edge of the stage and challenge us to, to sing. I like that. That's good stuff. If we're going to lead them, if they ain't following you, lead. You did it very nicely too. I found yelling doesn't, yelling doesn't work. Encouragement works. And then, listen, hand over your heart. The Word is our sword, it's your weapon. Start reading it, start declaring it, start quoting it, start start praying it. Father, I thank you God for this opportunity to be in your house. I thank you for the Word of God, it is active. It's able to slay dragons and cut through my emotions. The Word of God, has it's miraculous in every way. God, in the Old Testament, you told the prophet to eat the scroll of scripture and he did. He ingested it in a spiritual way. We wanna be people who live your word, who love your word, who quote your word, who profess your word, declare your word, pray your word, sing your word. See this world shift because it needs shifting. It needs to come into alignment. So Father, I pray over your people. This church, we love your word. It'll always be front and center. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.